DJ and PK, it is time to talk basketball with David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. He joins us on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprinter are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. And David's weekly interview is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. Good morning. How are you, David James? I'm How doing, are you, Patrick Kinahan? Well. Good, man. Good. I'm doing well. All right. So, uh, have you got any insight on uh, Zion Williamson leaving the bubble? Uh, if he might be back? How much this matters? Obviously, the Jazz in New Orleans played two really competitive games in New Orleans in January, and they split them. Uh, the Jazz won a game right at the end, and the Pelicans thought they got robbed, and then the Pelicans beat them in overtime. Uh, so what what do you think when you hear this news with that game now less than two weeks away? Um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it said he had a severe family issue or a significant family issue. I don't remember exactly the wording. And so now he comes back, and if I have it, if it's excused, um, then I believe he has a four-day quarantine yeah. upon coming back. So, um you know, I guess you can assume he has not. He's not going to do a lot of practicing, so maybe they're going to be. And I would be pretty cautious with him. But they're in quite a tight little race trying to get into that playoff. Um, and you know, when it would be neat for the league if that playoff existed. That's you know, that would be the first time we've ever had anything like that. Um, so I, I don't know, you know, anything particular about this, but you can start to do the math on how many practice days he would have. Um, and how much you'd be able, you know, if you're quarantined, you're not getting exercise in. So you're pretty quickly, you can get to a date where you assume he's not at full strength against the Jazz in that first game. So for several years now, when the Jazz practice or play, you've been there, you've been front and center, and now you're not. Uh, you going through withdrawals? Yeah, it sucks. I thought you might say that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> terrible. What would you normally find out in one of those practices and know, and you don't know now, and that's what sucks and bugs you? Well, I mean, I'm doing my job, so I think I still know what they're doing because I've been talking to enough people. So um, I think I still have an idea of of how they're approaching things and what they're doing. Um, But, you know, you just can see... One, you can just see where the emphasis is when you go to practice. Um, the others, there's all sorts of times where Quinn stops practice to, to get into something, and those are the moments where, you know, everything quiets and you listen. And and then, you know, you can also tell kind of Quinn will know who he's going to need. This is maybe more before games sometimes at shoot-around, but you can kind of tell some on some days, like, he'll suddenly be, you know, wildly riding George Niang. And you're like, oh, Quinn knows something about tonight's game that he knows he's going to need George Niang, you know, in some way. I don't know if that's a great example, but you can just see it where his focus is and where the focus is at practice to understand where he thinks things are important and what is important for the upcoming game. You just you obviously can't get that. And then it's just the other is just the the conversation. I mean, whether it's, you know, um, just Rudy walking off and you happen to spend three or four minutes with him or Mike Conley. And sometimes it's about their kids and sometimes it's about golf and sometimes it's about basketball. But those conversations matter pretty important, you know, when you actually then have a question or need something or you see something in practice. Um, there can be a moment in practice where 
you know, Quinn's working on something and Donovan and Mike huddle up right afterwards and say something, well, that's pretty, you know, I'll often then go ask Mike or Donovan, like, hey, I don't know if you remember this, but, you know, what did you, what did you guys talk about? Sometimes it's something, but every now and, sometimes it's nothing, but every now and then you get a really great nugget. Yeah, having spent many years out on the road, I always thought on the road was the best place to get information because it's just a more conducive because players don't necessarily have anywhere to go. They're not going home to their kids, their wife, wherever it might be, or meeting somebody for lunch. Uh, and not having that, I feel your pain. I think that it makes it takes a dent in the coverage. As far as the reasoning for not allowing broadcasters there, do you did you ever get an explanation? What was the reasoning? Um, I think the reasoning is numbers. It gets pretty big pretty fast. You know, if they're holding the 36 or whatever it is, um, by the time you add every team's broadcasters, um, you know, I think it, it gets fast. TV, they're going to do some great stuff. Um, we were on a call yesterday with the NBA, and I don't know how much I'm, you know, totally allowed to share or not um, from that call. Um, some of it they said specifically is confidential, um, but they're doing some incredible things. Um, they have 36 mics under the floor for broadcast, and four of them on each bucket to, to let you hear the sound of the game in a way that you've never heard it before. Um, I think there was something incredible, and it must have been for the finals game. I didn't quite understand it because I don't understand TV lingo. But of the 36 cameras that will be used maybe for the conference finals and the finals, 30 of them are in positions that have never been used before because there's no fans, so now they can put the camera wherever they want. So from a TV standpoint, um, I actually think they're going to be able to put together some really great broadcasts. Um, From a radio standpoint, we need to revolutionize what we're doing and change it completely and be willing to totally alter what our broadcast is and, and... I don't know that we've had enough time to prepare that, but looking, you know, if we're going to do this for longer than this stretch, we need to, we need to rechange. We have to change what a radio broadcast is and, and take it into many different aspects and what it is right now, because this isn't going to work. So is it, is this the new normal? Um, hope not, but I don't know. I mean, I don't like, I don't know what the, you know, Right. I mean, we don't know. You know, I, I think we'll have fans in stadiums, and so we'll be traveling from sta- stadium to stadium at some point here pretty soon. So, um, I would hope that that means that we're back on the road with the team, just with you know, doing all the things you're supposed to be doing: masking, social distancing. I would guess that our, um, in the, I would think you know, at some point maybe our travels restricted upon getting into cities a little bit. Um, but I would hope that we could have a little bit of intelligence as a country and take care of some of these things with some very easy measures and um, and then get fans back in the building in, in some level. Um, indoor is probably more difficult than outdoor, but it's a pretty cavernous space, so it's not indoor with reduced um, air. So I, w- I would hope that there's... Um, I would hope that we have fans back in stadiums, but we've got to just, you know, as my astute um, friend Gordon Monson said, stop being idiots. Just say mask up, David. I've been waiting for you to say it. Mask up. (laughs) 
That's right. 140 years of doctors wearing masks so they don't breathe in the incision when they're doing surgery and cutting you open. You know, I mean, I've always been mesmerized in my career by the power of marketing and the power of messaging. I mean, I remember even back to like, this is probably a weird analogy, but back to 1320K fan, when we first started, I don't know if you recall this, DJ, but we had a phrase that you had to use whenever you mentioned somebody's name. Like, I don't know if you remember this, but this was like our whole marketing thing. So whenever you said Ron Boone, you had to say legend. And whenever you said David James, you had to say our buddy. And when you ever, like every single Tom Masalki was the coach, like every single person had a phrase that you had to use before their name when we had built 1320K fan. And then we did that for nine months. And then we ran a study in which we did a survey of listeners and asked them the first thing they thought of when we said someone's name, and 95% came back with the words we were using. It was incredible. So, like, there's no question that you can just warp people's minds. It's a crazy concept. Um, I just, you know, this is probably, you know, right. Somehow we've warped the minds that somehow what doctors have done for 150 years is somehow now like your freedom like holy smokes so is calling them an idiot the best way to go about getting them to do at what some you point yeah at some point at some point yes have you ever done anything that when somebody called you an idiot did you give in um maybe <laughs> good answer i mean like tell me more like, tell me more are we, talking, are we talking about last night at seven o'clock last night at four o'clock <laughs> yesterday morning at 10 which one i just don't know that lecturing people is the way to go no, I, I mean i agree but like no sure like you know but like i don't know what you yeah i mean sure lecturing doesn't work but like there if when your mind's been warped, which is kind of what I'm talking about, like, and it's not always political. I just think like marketing warps minds, right? Like, oh, I got gotcha. you. Just, yeah. Right. Like, I mean, why do we start having Oreos with milk? Because they put it in a commercial, right? Like, I mean, this isn't like yeah. political. This is just the ability to send someone messaging. And so once that messaging is in someone's brain, I don't know what you do to un how, an, you know, you need to be able to, there's probably some science here, right? So if you've hit someone's brain a hundred times in a span of, of, you know, two weeks with some sort of messaging, I don't know. What do you have to do? Hit them 150 times for two weeks the other way? And so I don't know that you have the capability of doing that. And so the natural instinct on that is to try to do it with 150 times worth of intensity, right? And so that's where you end up then. It gets inflammatory. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean... Anytime someone entrenches themselves into anything, whether it's being, you know, for those poor souls that are a Dodger fan, like they've done this to themselves for their whole lives and they won't let it go, even though it's just the most sinful thing you can do in the world is to, be, to like bleed blue. Like, gosh, you'd think they'd see the light, but they don't. Um, so it doesn't matter. You know, it's once you've entrenched yourself, it's it's very hard to move someone for exactly the I mean, It's really I think it is like some sort of math question of of marketing and it's very difficult. David Locke joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, I am curious, and I think I've hit you up with this before, but now you've had more time to think about it. As uh, as Quinn rearranges the minutes, because Boyan's 30 minutes and 20 points-ish-ish uh, are, are now available, Morgan, 
Uh, is he going to go down the bench? Are we going to see a lot of these guys? Before you were kind of, you hit on the fly and you were kind of like, mm, Brantley, Juwan Morgan, Jarrell Brantley, they like him, but ask him to deliver in the playoffs is a lot, but it is an unusual opportunity in these eight regular season games. How's that going to work out? Or is it just more time for Royce O'Neal and George Niang and more shots for Joe Ingles and uh, Mike Conley? So I think there's two different answers here because you twisted it at the end a little bit. So the shots, I think, have to be Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, mm-hmm. Jordan Clarkson, a little Joe Ingles, particularly early in the offense. Joe Ingles running to the corner instead of running to get the basketball. Um, Boyan used the most possessions in transition of anybody on our roster. I know it kind of seems funny. People don't think Boyan is a transition player, but he was in Indiana, and he was our most heavy transition player last this year as well. So you know, Joe's going to, I think that's Joe's role. Um, and then specifically on Joe, since you guys, you know, love Joe, we all do, but you guys particularly, you know, Joe's game has really changed. He used to take about four to one catch and shoot threes off the bounce threes. And now it's even, he's going to go, he needs to go back to being, you know, four to one um, catch and shoot threes to off the bounce threes. And that will help his percentage. It will help the team. It's a way you have to replace Boyan's, you know, five or six threes a game. The in regards to minutes, I think it gets really complicated, David, because Boyan's playing 31 minutes a night, and it's not as though there's a bunch of guys that aren't getting enough minutes. So, like, I mean, George is at 14, and I guess you could try to say that George goes to 20. He's only played two games all year where he's played 20 minutes. There's probably, you know, like I love George, but there's probably a little bit of a of a moment where certain matchups work and certain matchups don't. And Quinn's probably protected him quite well. But he played 20 minutes in a 33-point blowout against the Golden State Warriors, and he played 20 minutes in like the third game of the year against the Lakers when Boyan was injured. Um, and that's it. He hasn't played 20 minutes in any other game all year. So let's say you even do spike him to 20, which seems to be a lot considering he has not done it in any game all year. You still have 26 minutes to go, right? Boyan's now, now we're still 25, 26 minutes we have to go get. Well, Mike's playing 29. Joe's playing 29. You don't really want them much higher than that, but let's say you give each of them two more. We still got 20 to go. So I, I think you're going to see Emmanuel Moutier playing just kind of a basketball. Like, I don't know what position. Um, and Royce O'Neal's already playing 30 minutes a night, if I'm correct. I have to look that up, but my memory is he's playing. So, like, Royce isn't going to go suddenly play 40. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they're able to move those minutes along because um, they aren't, you know, it isn't as though there's just this natural, easy position person that you're bringing in and saying, oh, well, they're, you know, they've been short 12 minutes a night, and so we're just going to go give them 12 minutes a night, and that will start to cover it up. And then when you add in the fact that at some point in this process, Mike Conley's leaving for his wife's birth of their third child, then I think you have um, – then you really then I then I do think Juwan Morgan and Jarrell Brantley and some other people have to play. Well, I thought Moutier would get a much bigger role at that point too. For however many games Mike misses, right, right. But I just had Moutier getting the, um, I just had Moutier getting the minutes for Boyan. Yeah. I want to make sure that Jordan Clarkson stays in the role that he has been in because he's provided a lift. Do you see that happening? I think so, but when Mike leaves, I, um, I would assume so. I mean, there is a part that when Mike leaves, um, then Jordan maybe picks up, goes into the starting lineup. But I, I, I can understand where you're seeing coming from, and I would, I would think that's the likelihood of what happens. 
Are there any players on this team that feed more or less off the crowd that will be more or less impacted by this, or it's just the same for everybody and they'll all adapt and they play pickup games and so what? Don't overthink it. Well, I think you can overthink that one. I mean, I think it's pretty fascinating. Um, the, by the way, I don't know if this is going to work. I love this idea. I believe they have either two or four cameras that the, they've told the players are like fan cams. So, like, if you want to, like, hit a shot and react to the fans, you go to that camera. Like, as a player, so, you know, uh, like, do you want players? Do you, shot. you want players thinking about this stuff in the middle of a game? Well, you want fan interaction. You want a fan experience. They think about it during the game anyway. Um, so, and, and I don't know that... I don't know that it's going to feel fanless to the... It's going to feel different. But I don't know how – I think they're doing a lot of things to try to make it feel as though there's some atmosphere in the building. Um, so I just think it's going to be different. And that's where I think it's really hard to like start making projections on what team's going to do. I feel like everything – the margin between teams is pretty slim. And so because it's a totally different environment than it's been, things are – players are going to be reacting differently. Teams are going to be reacting differently. And therefore, I think it's really hard to know – like where those slim little margins are going to move. I, I, I really am uncomfortable making much of any prediction. The only prediction I'm, I'm comfortable with is once it's kind of established what's going on, um, playoff series will be shorter and, um, and the favorites will win a lot more. Okay, so that's interesting. Do you have just Charles Barkley that you played earlier this morning, Yuck? Give uh, give. Wait, this. if I'm disagreeing, if I'm disagreeing with Charles, I feel really comfortable. About <laughs> that. That's a part of what I wanted to get to. <laughs> if the Portland Trailblazers get in the playoffs, they will beat the Los Angeles Lakers in the first round. Now, Barkley loves to say stuff, and he's shouting there. It almost feels like he knows it's BS when he yells it. But is there anything? I know you believe the NBA is a league of matchups. Is there anything about that matchup that Laker fans should fear? Well, so the concept would be that Yusuf Nurkic and Zach Collins are back. Um, the Blazers, with both of those, would be one of the few teams that could be as long as the Lakers. The Lakers are going to be thin, fast. With, uh, I mean, the Rajon Rondo injury is the best thing that's ever happened to them, and it's going to exist in the first round. And they're just terrible, and Rondo's on the floor. Their assist rate as a team goes, some, it's something crazy. Like, they're like 65% of all field goals are assisted until Rondo's on the floor, and that's like 30%. I mean, he's just terrible. Um, so, that, that's a great injury for them. The problem they have as a team is that their best lineups are all with Anthony Davis at the five. Um, though McGee and Howard have been great. Like, don't misunderstand the value of those minutes they give, but when it's really time. Anthony Davis goes to the five, and LeBron goes to the four. Well, they're now thin. Um, you know, they have Contagious Caldwell Pope and Alex Caruso and Danny Green and Kyle Kuzma, and, and they'll. But that's it. Like they, unless I'm forgetting someone, they don't have anything else there. So they have four guys to divide those other minutes out. So they're going to have a hard time getting getting small for long periods of time, and that's the impact of those those two injuries. And then, you know, obviously we just. It, it doesn't feel at this moment that there's going to be a COVID outbreak, and it does feel at this moment as though the league has done an incredible job of, and everything is heading in the right direction. Um, but if there is some sort of COVID outbreak and they then lose one of those players, then they're even more limited. 
David, as always, we appreciate the time. Thanks a lot. Nice chatting with you guys today. Good. <laughs> Thanks, PK. <laughs> Welcome. Yeah, right. Hey, PK. But you're an idiot. I know. I was thinking <laughs> that would be the thing when you said the legend and the buddy, and <laughs> I, I would have been the I would have been the idiot if I was doing radio back then. No, I think we would have gone like the bombastic or the caustic or something like that. I prefer lovable, but okay. <laughs> yeah, but the branding has to at least be accurate. Like, you, if you put Oreos in motor oil, that wouldn't have actually worked. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it would have been about a singing. As I said, Oreos in mo- motor oil, PK singing. All right. Thanks, David. We'll talk to you. See ya.